those who can hear me, I say, do not despair. The misery that is now upon us is but the passing of greed, the bitterness of men who fear the way of human progress. The hate of men will pass and dictators die, and the power they took from the people will return to the people. And so long as men die, liberty will never perish. Soldiers, don't give yourselves to brutes. Men who despise you, enslave you, who regiment your lives, tell you what to do, what to think, and what to feel, who drill you, diet you, treat you like cattle, use you as cannon fodder. Don't give yourselves to these unnatural men, machine men with machine minds and machine hearts. You are not machines. You are not cattle. You are men. Welcome, everybody. This is Room Tone, the radio show. Here we are on 100.5 FM Cop Radio. We are pre-recording the show of the film community here in Vancouver. Let's make it happen. We have here with us in the booth, I want everybody to raise your hands for David Green and Justin Moore. Hey, How are you guys doing today? What's going on, Vancouver? Doing great. Hey, bud. How's it going? It's good. Life is good. Here we are flowing, making it happen. Let me ask you, first things first, who are you? Me first. My name is David Green uh, of Gritsmore. Uh, I'm Justin Moore of uh, Gritsmore. So what is this Gritsmore you guys are talking about? What is it? Gritsmore is a YouTube-based show, I suppose you could say. We're, yeah, it's like we're, a, we're a couple of shows. We are technically a company. We did our taxes this year. We did do our taxes this year. <laughs> As Gritsmore production. You fucking freaked me out when you said that we were going to do our taxes. I was like, oh, <laughs> shit. Yeah, no, I, I've been sending some really scary texts to them. Um, <clears throat> we, uh, we make comedy here in Vancouver. We've been going for a couple of years now. Uh, we make very silly stuff. We don't take ourselves too seriously. We try to be a little... What do you think on the psychedelic side? Maybe yeah, we we make like surrealist yeah. comedy. Oh, I, I've seen you guys say. stuff. Definitely, surreal is a word, <laughs> and comedy is the other word. But then they go together very well with you guys. Thanks, man. So let's just let's just head dive right into it. You know, you guys are on YouTube. You know, and you look at the world out there and, and the way content flows. You know, in the digital world. You know, of, so much out there. There's so much. Where do you see yourself standing with YouTube? I mean, we're small fries. Like oh, God, we, yeah. we we had one one video go big on the internet, and that was pretty much it. But the rest of our stuff, I, I, I like two hundred, three hundred views. Like nothing, nothing crazy. But like, it's weird. A lot of our stuff kind of tops out around uh, may, like maybe five hundred. We got a couple that hit like between one and five thousand, and then we've got yeah, this one, the music video, one terabyte of porn that everybody should check out. <laughs> that uh, some strange kind soul posted that to Reddit, and it's it's got like a hundred thousand or so. Yeah, it's got like 100,000 views. It's fun to go in there and read the comments every now and then. YouTube comments, dude. <laughs> there you go. So wow. where is the place of YouTube, you think, in the world that there is today when it comes down to distribution? And where do you see yourself going also in creating content for YouTube? YouTube well, is like... I wish we were doing this in like 2008. Yeah, I also... Because like YouTube was such a different space people back actually, then. People used to put sketch comedy regularly on YouTube. And make money off of it. You know, like... like uh, Auntie Donna. Auntie Donna, Barrettes and Beretta. Like, did Rhett and Link do yeah, sketches? Yeah, uh, I don't am know about I, that. Am, but I, am I wrong about that? those names? Sorry about that. Uh, there's this guy named Gus Johnson who's done like, yeah, pretty yeah, well. Yeah, Gus Johnson. But like the, the, the YouTube community <laughs> is such like a, a weird word to say because i don't ever feel like we're part of like a, i never call myself a no. youtuber what's like, up but, youtube yeah there's ne there's never a point in which like any of us sit and talk to the camera like that's what it feels like it's just more and more and more that's what youtube is now and it's just it's like i don't know man it's like white it's noise. daunting yeah it's white noise it's crazy yeah. the unboxings uh makeup tutorials people that are just people that just have fans i don't get how they started but <laughs> they just <laughs> You know what I mean? That's all it is. It's like so-and-so. I mean... The but the thing is, is like when you're a YouTuber, you're not just a YouTuber these days. It's like you have to be on Instagram, Twitter, like yeah, yeah. Twitch. Like people, people are just fucking gravitating towards Twitch because YouTube's just like monetization shit is gone, gone. People don't make money there anymore. Yeah, no, it's true. And I always start to get like worked up talking about it, and then I just I don't I don't know where to go because I don't know enough about it. But it, yeah, it just seems like how can you put out something new? every day you can't with what we're trying to make you know with real production like we're setting up lights and doing gags and writing scripts and stuff and it's not i mean i feel like the people who do like write sketch comedy on youtube have teams like that's 
Yeah. It's a, it's a company. It's a team. It's That's like, true. A, yeah. like a group of people who are like collectively making things every single day. And like those things have died out at this point. Like the things that are popular on YouTube is like commentary videos that are like 12 to 15 minutes long that make money. Like Yeah, I know, I I have learned in my time here that the industry and the the community are two very different things, two very very different things being uh um I work in film. I'm a I'm a union set dresser. Um and I mean it took me the better part of probably like 5 years to get where I am now. Um so back when I was in like high school or before probably while I was while we were still even in college, it was like I don't know. You have those crazy dreams, right? It's like you start working for film and then you meet the right people. So five years, uh, what happened in those five years? Um, I was doing smaller shows. I was working for like uh, ACFC. I did, um, I, I mean, I've, I've been doing the same work for just about the entire time. But so the first couple of years, smaller shows, getting paid less, they spread you a little thinner. So as a set dresser, I'm also doing greens work and I'm maybe like painting and doing this and that. But now... Uh, you know, I'm doing like IATSE 891 shows where like my job is my job and I wouldn't dare touch a lighting stand or grab like a shovel and start digging because that's a, the lighting guy's job or the greens guy's job. Yeah, it's pretty um, heavy on those sets, right? And w so what I was saying before is, I mean, uh, yes. <laughs> 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 there are a lot of... Uh, interesting people. You always tell me interesting stories about people on set. but every, uh, I, Justin, have you had experience on those types of sets? So, no. I, I, out of, David and I went, actually went to the same school. Yes. Like He graduated the year before I did. Um, we went to BCIT Broadcast School. And so out of school, uh, I didn't want to do film. Like That was never something that I was interested in. Uh, film sets just weren't something that I thought that I would be able to do. I really liked broadcast. I liked, I liked shooting. Like, I... And I think that that still holds to this day because I'm like, a, you know, the DOP on Gritsmore or whatever. Um, but <clears throat> I got out of school. I was working three jobs. I, it was, uh, I was working at a toy store. I was working uh, at Old Navy and I was shooting sports. So I uh, grew up in Langley in Surrey. And so I worked for like the city of Langley at their uh, broadcast uh, team uh, doing like giant. Well, now it's giants and the stealth and. Uh, we did a lot of college basketball, uh, college volleyball, and so I would do like switching, I was like replay, I was directing, like live stuff, and that's what I was doing. And then I, now I shoot wedding films, man. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> that's my job, man. I don't, I've never been on a film set professionally other than like PAing sometimes. Like I've done very few PA jobs, but. Is he losing on something, David, do you think? Uh, uh no I don't think he's <laughs> it's not uh, uh there are a lot of people that that love it and uh, like again I I, I don't want to be too negative or whatever but God it takes a lot out of you like I work at least a 60 hour week every week and, and I the, think and I think some people take pride in like how much they suffer they really uh, <laughs> well like David and I clearly work in very different industries but it's very much that same mentality of like yo if you're not working like yourself to death, death. <laughs> like what the fuck are you doing like why are you here and and for me someone who like i create full time as my job and then i do this in my spare time like i don't have time for anything else like, like how do you I, handle that balance i don't <laughs> it's, it's not a healthy thing man like no neither of us are in like a good headspace in terms of like mental health or anything like that but like <laughs> but the thing is is like i feel like no but it, it, no I, no it's absolutely true it's do, true like how do you get up and work for 20 more hours on the weekend after you've worked 60 hours all week mm -hmm. um, but the thing is is like i love it do you know what i mean i love making oh, when, things with you when we were doing season one it was all i looked forward to all week yeah yeah it was the greatest can, can, can i put a put a bow on what i was trying to make it happen man yeah, yeah. what i was trying to say though is i think being like 18 or like 19 20 that's how old i was when i was at bcit uh i think what you convince yourself of is that you're like you know the first step is you get a job on set and then there's a producer sitting there and you start chatting and the next thing you know he's making your movie that's <laughs> not that's not how it works i'm the guy that moves furniture and that's it i see how can you how do you believe you can step out of that zone um well i, I guess just to 
we're just doing it we're just trying i guess it was like spring of 2017 and justin we'd done a couple of like little things together and then i was like i've got this idea i want to make a sketch show i want to i didn't i literally didn't even know i was like maybe it's three 10 minute episodes maybe it's five three minute episodes we, we had no idea going into it like. we, we found a location and i wanted to do all this weird kind of visual art stuff kind of bumpers and uh like visual puns or whatever we rented this space and just started shooting and we were like now we have all this footage so we got to keep going and finish this thing and i guess it was my idea that then we'd have this and whoever we met or wherever we went we could be like well we've made these and we want to make more of these uh so <laughs> and that sort of became like a, uh, like a like a system in a way could yeah, you say that? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, for for us, it was like after we finished, it was like, uh, like elation. Like we were very, very happy with what we had produced. We yeah, had, we even totally. like we had like a screening. We sold out the fucking venue. Like it mm-hmm. was crazy. Like, and then afterwards, it was like, okay, what the fuck do we do now? It, and it was kind of the same, uh, not the same thing in the sense of how I'm saying like maybe I'll, maybe I'll meet a producer and the next thing you know we're you know going to L.A. baby or whatever, but. I think I told myself the same I convinced myself of the same thing where I was like we're going to make the show and we're going to we're going to screen it and our lives are going to change and we're just we're still doing the same thing. Well nowadays we have a, we have the opportunity that you know everything is in our hands. You know everything is so much more accessible, right? You can get your DSLR, you can get your camera, you have your editing software, some of the most amazing editing or gen- in general softwares they're all accessible for free, right? So we can sort of take it into our own hands. You are right. Yeah. And I feel like in the past people could have criticized the fact that they couldn't take it all into their hands but now that we can there is also that problem that says you know now we have to do everything on our own you know and that has become sort of a sort of an an expectation sometimes and so i kind of want to want to hear from you guys you know from putting together the youtube channel you know and going ahead and finding this balance in the film industry and 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 really just striving and going for it I really want to ask you, where do you see yourselves in five to ten years from now? Do you want... (laughs) I mean, I want to... Honesty or optimism? (laughs) Yeah, honesty or optimism. (laughs) You pick. Man, sometimes you can uh, overlay the two of those. I mean, optimistically... Give me both, man. Give me both. I I feel like we want to be doing this but making money yeah. like that's that's the ideal thing is like someone someone sees our shit they're like yo that's funny <clears throat> we want people to see it right and then we get paid to write we get paid to shoot we get paid yeah. to edit like we we like because i feel like i don't i don't want to speak for david but like no, go for i it. fucking love making grits more like Cre- it, creating yeah it's it's my it's 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 my release it's like i i make I don't want to like downplay like what I do for my job, but like it's fucking miserable sometimes, and and it's okay to not love your job. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And, and it's, I, I feel like a lot of people that. Uh, but the thing is, is like I want that to be my job. Yeah. I want writing and making comedy or films or whatever to be my job, and I want to do it with David. How far would you go for that? literally giving up my life man i that's that's what we've done like, i mean yeah I, money time everything like i, I think we'll be doing I, I think i really honestly think like in five years if we keep going as hard as we're going we will be somewhere with it it we won't be you know it's we're not going to be like snl in the writer's room like it's not going to be glamorous but i think that we can make something happen i really do mm-hmm. think i mean we, it, there is a beautiful saying you know that goes losers have goals and winners have systems i've never heard that i've also never heard that but it, that, <laughs> i like it building a system seems to be the best way to really create distance right and so that's that's also the thing that makes me curious you know i look at places you know platforms like youtube right mm-hmm. and it feels like everybody has a system there you know, everybody has a system, and then when you apply that onto the film industry, the system just just gets bigger. You know, there there are more, there is more into it, and you know, there are many more layers to it. And so, I feel like it has become uh, it has become a machine, and it's tough to find that balance because it's a machine. But how do you keep that machine creative? 
right you know what's weird is like that's kind of how we felt going into like making our second season was like it felt like a machine and like the some of the favorite stuff i I, again don't want to speak for david but like some of the stuff that we like my favorite stuff we made last year was just like we had an idea we wrote it down and we filmed it with no like almost zero equipment like a camera maybe a light Uh, i think maybe we need to find our system you know because as like as far as youtube goes youtube is just kind of our portfolio mm-hmm. right now I, I, like, don't, I don't ever see youtube becoming like a career for us i feel like it's yeah. a, a place to put our stuff that people can see it's if we meet someone and we say we make stuff they go where can we see it well youtube um uh like i'd like to properly like sell a show to somebody who's going to front the money and allow us to produce it. I, I feel optimistic in, in looking at you guys because, I mean, you have, you have the content, you, know, you have the passion, and it's just a matter of finding the right platform to do that. Mm-hmm. But also, as you mentioned, as we were talking a little bit about earlier, you know, when it comes down to giving the show to a platform, you know, yeah. and the different dynamics when it comes down to making money from those platforms. Have you had any personal experience with, with any of the platforms out there with your content? Um, just looking into it, it's like daunting. Like there are more platforms than ever. Um, I guess what you're referring to is that we've been, we've approached and have been approached a couple of times by this new, they're like these profit sharing platforms where I'm not a fan of them. If it works for people, that's great. But uh, the, the, the new model is as you hand over just anything you have made already, and they claim that uh, by having it on these, these platforms that uh, um, it will get seen, and it will launch your career, and you will uh, you know, get paid to be a cre- creator. But um, you know, we've got stuff on YouTube, and like our most popular one, Terabyte of Porn, blew up totally by accident just because somebody shared the YouTube link, and you can't share the link of something that's behind a paywall on, like, t- you know, basically Netflix or Hulu or whatever in a different form. Mm-hmm. Because everyone wants, like, the... <laughs> I haven't had this because I just haven't talked. I, I'm not the talky person. Like David meets meets the people. I, um, but you know, I think having it on an open platform for people to see is something that we want. And having it behind this like paywall and these these like profit sherry things. Like, I, 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 again, they might work for some people. I have no idea. But like, it just feels like I want people to see our stuff, and I want people to be able to see it whenever. And I'm, that can be fucking no one, or it can be a hundred thousand people. Do you know what I mean? As long as people are watching it and enjoying it, like that's, of course. And that's the dilemma, right? Because then you look at the, the some, one of the most successful, of course, platform of all, Netflix. You know, uh, it seems like that has become the one answer to content, right? There is Netflix for the content that you're there. You know, you're looking for that has that higher rate you know that higher standard and then there is youtube which is sort of the free access content that is sort of finding a new shape constantly right there is always things changing and with facebook as well right Mm -hmm. because if you look at social media if you share for example a youtube link on facebook the algorithm is going to punish that post right yeah and facebook wants their own posts like i've seen exactly i've seen guys who like like gus johnson who i mentioned earlier like their his videos it'll be like four hundred thousand views on his page but some asshole will upload it to like their meme page and put some fucking white bars over it with like text on it and that video will have like six million views and he will never see a fucking penny of that money like we're we're going down a rabbit hole now i just wanted to be clear uh, i wanted to be clear (laughs) that like uh like youtube is fine i have no problem with youtube and i have no problem with netflix and hulu and those like there is a classic way of like listen to me i'm 27 years old but there is a classic way of doing Hmm. things and that is there is a there's a person who provides finance and the show is made and that's like the risk you take right so these festivals and stuff I I went to last year and meeting these people who are pitching me like yeah put your thing on my platform it's like they're trying to reinvent the wheel and like I hate to make this accusation but it's almost it's like predatory right you you're selling the idea of like you're going to be famous you're going to blow up just make your content exclusive to our platform first and it's because they're making money if they've got if they're hosting a hundred thousand shows uh, those pennies they're scraping together are, of course is of course i see what you mean i see what you mean i mean this is again a <coughs> big conversation and i'm actually yeah, sorry, sorry. excited no i'm excited <laughs> that we're talking about this because we need to talk about this you know as filmmakers and content creators everything is changing so quickly and if you think about it you know up to you know 
30 years ago we didn't even know what online was you know and the way yeah, films were made was completely different right and digital came on on the on the board like and then vr is is coming next where do you see vr fitting in this whole big picture fuck man uh, <laughs> vr like the thing is is like vr is such a new thing and i feel like vr has less and less to do with what we're doing and more and more to do with like interactive spaces and like medical work and like f training for people and like vr vr like vr is this thing and i feel like the only like film type of people that are going to be able to benefit from it is like pornography like <laughs> <laughs> like like think like the the, the amount uh, uh, totally yeah like i'd love to see where vr goes i'm personally at this time not interested Fuck, did you hear okay there's this <laughs> oh justin oh no man, seriously okay, okay this, yeah, this yeah. is cool same, man, same. this is cool because like okay game game like games are mainly what like the vr headsets are like the people who are making them are like people who own steam people who own face like the guy the people who own facebook right and the people who own facebook um Anyway, they funded this thing, and it's gonna be a Groundhog Day two. Did you fucking hear about this? It's no. like it's like an interactive film. But you, but you live it. Yeah, like Whoa. you you play. I think it's his son that's living in the town. Wild. Yeah, and so like there are people exploring that space now. Th this is interesting because you know if you just notice, you know they just released not too long ago this new software for photography. You know that any anybody who could just draw a, a couple of lines and just create a whole new panorama or landscape just out of nowhere right but taking a picture of trash you know yeah. and so do you ever think that technology will successfully transfer to films it depends what you mean by films like i like to believe that uh like even even 3d film will not replace 2d films like i've I hope to God that that like because none of the gimmicks that anyone's ever putting out is gonna trump like the fact that like when you make something that's interesting and people want to watch people will watch it yeah. don't it doesn't matter what it is like if it's 3d and it's good like I'll watch it like like it it's gonna blow up like there are things that we cannot even imagine on their way I'm sure and it's like entertainment is gonna get so fucking crazy and uh, but <clears throat> Where do you see video games also fit in this picture? Let, ask Justin. Oh, Justin, you're, you're <laughs> so, a gamer? Yeah. The, there you go, man. The Google just announced because I think I think that the um, the video game industry looks to film and those kind of people for like where to go and what to do, despite the fact that they make insane amount of money selling video games. But Google just announced that they're making this streaming platform, and so the idea of buying a console is going to be gone. Subscription services to like, Microsoft is trying to do this too with like um, their, their subscription service. They want you to be able to literally stream games from their servers. They, want, they don't want you to have to patch shit. They don't want you to have to do any of these things. And so streaming, literally, like subscription services like Netflix, that's what video game wants to do. And I already pay for fucking Crunchyroll. I already pay for fucking <laughs> Netflix. I already pay for fucking like seven different streaming services. Wait, so and if I have to fucking pay for like streaming video games, I'm gonna fuck, like my bank account's gonna fall. Now, this is, this well, is the interesting thing you see there seems to they, there seems to be a specific dynamic and system uh, through which that monthly bill becomes so attractive right I uh, saw so David you want you really wanted to say something right there uh, it's gone what was I <laughs> oh what is you'd still need like a, a box in no your they house. want you, they want you to literally be able to stream it to a Google Chrome so you open a Chrome tab, you op you type in Scadia or whatever the fuck it's called. Oh, so you maybe it's like built into your smart TV five years. Your from smart now? TV, your fucking iPhone. Huh. Literally, they want it to be everywhere. They want you to be able to connect a controller to anything, play a game anywhere. And like that is an extremely appealing thing. But like yeah. the thing the thing about that is, is but like ownership ownership becomes like this weird thing. Is like you don't own any of like even when you buy a video game, you don't own it. You you are you are renting the license to play and, that and thing. And what right? that's like another thirty dollars a month on your credit card. In I, I have no I have every, no idea how well, much it's going to be. X amount yeah. of dollars per month. In but, addition, but they've to already tested it with like Assassin's Creed or whatever, and people have said that it's amazing. Like, hmm. but the thing is, for me, is like, I, I don't want another thing to pay for. I I want. I want to be able to buy my games and play them. Do you know what I mean? Once like, and have yeah, it for yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the thing is, is like I don't even own those things. So what, is, what is ownership? Like that's you know? the trick, you know. That's the trick. There is that that dynamic, you know. I understand because at the time, you know, when there was the PlayStation One or PlayStation Two, you could buy the disc, you know, and you would have it forever. 
And that's a feeling, right? And you can see this with movies. Some people still like to buy those DVDs, right? My roommate loves buying Blu-rays. Like, Yeah, there is something about the physical copy and about the fact that you can own it forever, right? He fucking, I, he, I come home. I man. buy records. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. I mean... But streaming is the way, like music, films, oh, and now yeah, video games, man. Like yeah. the 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 thing is, is like I come home and my roommate's got like the fourth season of like Tom Baker's Doctor Who on fucking 4K Blu-ray, and I'm like, why do you own this? He's like, uh-huh. <laughs> I just shout him out, shout out, Sam. Now this shout is, out, out Sam. this is, I feel, also an interesting thing though. If you look at you know all the plastics that go into making DVDs, right? And so I feel like. There is a consciousness around all that too, and and it, go, it goes down to making everything more accessible on many different levels, right? You, do you guys, how do you feel about this? I see, uh, I see. You know, there is so much on the plate, and David's got something to say <laughs> right there. You just gotta shoot it through the mic, man. Go make it happen. You're on to something there, but I would, and this is just me. I would argue that uh, these entertainment companies don't care about the environment. No, it's, they don't. They don't give a fuck about it's, anything it's other profit. than making money, man. If you like, don't have to produce a disc, you, that's more money. I mean, uh, that's a a great coincidence that suddenly there's less waste. But uh, look at there's probably ten there's probably ten ten ton trucks parked two blocks from here shooting right now. Like anybody in the entertainment industry who claims to care about the environment, like we we don't need entertainment. I'm sorry to say it, but we don't. And anything you watch, just imagine the amount of fossil fuel and plastic and it's all the oil used up to Ooh. make. That's cool that you say that, Getting but fucking heavy. You know, yeah, I might have it's, to. It's very heavy. I might have to disagree at a certain point because there is um there is a beautiful quote. I don't remember where it comes from, but um, I read this in a book called Story by Robert McKee, and he explains how there are three basic needs and this goes down all the way to ancient rome as well right is if you can give if you can give food if you can give shelter and if you can give entertainment then you've got control right and that's what that's you know the you can see it at the core you know when in the colosseum you know everybody would gather up there is that need right to be entertained and storytelling is at the core of our education too right because every everything that goes down through education is storytelling is communication and right I, and i think it, that, like you're completely right i just all, i always play devil's advocate on this because i think that's like a human flaw of ours is that we need to be entertained and we've taken it so far that look at the industry that it has become right it's, it's like we're we're fucking proud of like when we're like i binged this show i literally sat in my <laughs> house for fucking 10 hours i didn't move Look, I, I, I know this is this is a stupid stance to take not stupid but like look i love movies we're all here because we love movies exactly but it's like if you look at it just very objectively it's uh we are we don't need art and we don't need sports. We just love them. David, I would I would argue that we do need art though. I feel like art is an expression of like no, totally. We we need art like there's nothing wrong with uh like you're an old man who whittles a little who whittles a tree into a little something or maybe you write poems or but at the scale at the scale it is at like we don't sure. we don't need to be making 10 episodes of a Netflix show that is going to get canceled after season 1 like <laughs> imagine no but imagine but, but exploring, imagine, exploring like human emotion and feeling yes, in, no, you're, it, through you're, you're you're right yeah no i well no you're also right but i'm just saying <laughs> like, that like th there is merit there is value to the yeah things. we're trying to yeah. create a conversation here right you there, know there's, it's, there's if, if you go it, out yeah, there yeah. and you say you know like you know we don't need art you know you're going to definitely raise Raise, you know you're gonna get well, no, people but, attention no, right no, but uh, like and i firmly believe that and it, that's kind of like the beauty to it you know what i mean is it's it's just it's another thing to think about and i guess something i struggle with is like because uh, what we do has is meaningless but but it's beautiful but it's fucking and it, and beautiful. it feels so good to do yeah i see i actually believe it is very meaningful you know we need that art you know it's it's i actually feel it's like a need you know because the moment you step away from what's your uh, emotional and what's your human essence right it's that emotional uh, core right if we didn't feel we would be robots right and so i feel like we have a duty like as storytellers and you know we educate through storytelling right we either I, I educate don't about, or i don't know about us but <laughs> it's it's you know there is there is something that has to do with giving people something 
that is emotionally meaningful, right? And doing and mastering that, of course, that's the toughest part of the job, right? But there is something there. And that's because, you know, if you have the, that idea, if you have that dream, it's because there is there is someone who's thirsty and who's in need for what you would ever, whatever you're going to create, right? It's magnetism. Because there's someone out there who feels exactly the same way you do. And then it, being able to express it and show it and being able to relate to each other, I think is important. Uh, our screening a year and a half ago is a perfect example of that. I mean, like we put smiles on 150 people's faces. You know, watching somebody laugh at something you've made, is it feels so good. And to, like to know that, you know, we're not making them sad, we're making them laugh. Maybe we're making them squirm or feel a little gross sometimes. But <laughs> Definitely a little uncomfortable. Yeah, if, yeah. if we can make people feel something, I think, I think that's, that's great. But then there, you know, there's always the dark side to it where like, th there are people sitting in boardrooms going like, that sold, so we need to do that again on our network. Like that's, It's just so depressing and gross to me. But. Mm -hmm. Interesting but conversation right here. Oh, Justin, you no, got something no, to say? No, I, I just say, but then, but then there, equally there are people in the entertainment industry who are trying their best to be able to tell stories that are worth hearing. Yes. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a struggle, right? It's a constant struggle. It's a constant debate within the industry, you know? And if the, the debate within the industry is not enough, there is debate within communities, right? And, you know, people stepping over each other's toes and, and you know, and that's, again, the dance, right? Of making sure that the content that you create goes out there and finds its own space. It's a constant struggle. Mm -hmm. Now, we had an amazing conversation about art and the, the meaningfulness of art. And this is so interesting because it really comes, you know, we're about to take a break and the soundtrack that, David chose for us is the soundtrack of The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. And it's something that is so saturated and so artistically, you know, uh, charged, you know. I want to ask you, why do you choose that soundtrack specifically? It is just such a wicked soundtrack, man. <laughs> <laughs> David and I were, like, before, before we came today, we were talking, because he told me that you asked about this, and we were literally just, like, fucking put on The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly soundtrack, and we're just jamming. Dude, I, I know it's become a... Uh, I don't want to use the. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to use the word meme, but uh, maybe even before memes. I mean, you know, y we've all seen a TV show that references that, like, wah, wah, wah. but man, you put that track on like in the car, and, like you're driving 120 down the highway, <laughs> and that song is hitting its peak. You, oh, dude, and then then the I think it's the last song on the. Uh, on the soundtrack called The Ecstasy of Gold. That one is unbelievable. Oh, yes, we're well. just about to play The Ecstasy of Gold by right. Ennio Morricone. And this is to the need of art and how we need to feel like uh, like uh, like God mm -hmm. as we ride on that, uh, you know, uh, with that car and we hear the music, you know, and we just make it happen. Well, enjoy. This is The Ecstasy of Gold by Ennio Morricone. We're on Call Pretty 100.5 FM. I'm joined here by David Green and yeah. Justin Moore. We're going to be talking more about films on Room Tone, the radio show. I'm Roger, your host. Enjoy.
Welcome back, everybody. This is uh, Room Tone, the radio show. Here we are talking movies because we love it. We're joined by David Green and Justin Moore, and we're about to tackle the second part of this episode on Cop Radio 100.5 FM. I'm Roger, your host. Let's just make it happen. Let's step right into the one-minute pitch. Who's going to go first? Uh, I guess I will. <laughs> there you go, Justin. You ready? I'm going to hit that clock right now. You ready? Fuck Three, okay. two, one. Let's go. Okay. Imagine a, a young man, I would say 20s, he finds this base at a like a you know used store and he buys this base and it's beautiful he loves it he brings it home he starts playing it and then he starts hearing a woman talking to him through the amplifier and this 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 woman <laughs> this is the fucking worst thing ever it's, uh, it's not uh it, this woman try like they, they they build this relationship uh they move forward um, the, she tries to convince him to like repair him or repair the base and then once he fixes the base and plugs it back in uh, she steals his body and so he has to figure out a way of convincing someone else to like play the base now he's trapped yeah now he's trapped in the base uh. and he has to get out <laughs> There you go. That's that's a pitch from Justin Moore from Gritsmore. There you go. That sounds like a like a. <laughs> I want to see. Do you plan to on shooting that anytime soon? God no. Uh, it it was like an idea I've had because like there was this show growing up that I watched. It was called Back Mongolian Trap Squad. Uh, it was this anime that played on uh, MTV when I was growing up, and it was right in the time that I was learning to play guitar, and it was about this kid who learned to play the guitar and so i've always wanted to make something that integrates my love of like horror and music so you know it was just it's a good idea but it's not anywhere near ready there you go finding your space david it's your time to pitch you ready i'm gonna hit that clock three two one let's go okay so uh my latest idea moving on from i guess our short form stuff is that i have an idea for a short film uh working title thanksgiving this is based on uh, a thing that uh, me and me and my friends have done. Oh, I'm already 16 seconds in. Okay, basically, I'm sure you have this with your friends. Everybody has that group of friends they get together with at least once, twice a year, and it starts off very wholesome and loving. It's this group of friends, uh, but as it progresses, it's, you start to get the feeling that maybe this is a little more uh, like cult-like and a little more ritualistic and it starts devolving from this uh this really loving group setting into you realize that this group of friends once a year get together and they sacrifice someone and eat them so uh i don't have it all figured out whether it's a friend they eat or maybe they coerce someone to join their friend group and they eat them but basically it is a getaway and somebody is cannibalized at the end I see, and that's one minute right there. The pitch from David Green <laughs> from Grismore as well. So, whew, okay, I see some 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 weight in there in both pitches right there. I guess fans of of horror right there. Well, I guess talking YouTube and you know in the distribution dynamics of 2019 for filmmakers and content creators. You know, right now we are in a really really interesting, bold and dynamic era. You know, for content creation. Um, I want to ask you, looking at where we come from, mm -hmm. you know, and looking at how quickly things change, what's going to happen in five years to the way content is going to be consumed, you think? Consumed? Wow. Uh, I think going forward more and more, it's going to be these streaming platforms. Uh, I think that big and small, I think that that's where it's going. I feel like broadcast and TV is falling by the wayside, and I feel like the internet is where people are getting all of their entertainment, no matter what it is. Like, yeah. So books, movies, video games, everything is going to be streamed. Everything is going to be a service because they don't want your money one time. They want your money all the time. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. I think it is. Uh, it, it, there's going to be a divide where, y y yeah, like television, like uh, network television is going to decline and decline and decline. But I think there will be this divide where uh, you're either releasing even your feature film streaming or then there will be, you'll be so far removed from like the prestige of like a theatrical release. I th maybe that'll be the thing that like... I mean, you've already made it if you make something that premieres in a theater, but I think maybe that'll become even more unattainable. And that'll, like, 
everybody will be streaming except for the I don't know people who are like the Hollywood crap. do you think theaters do you think theaters will ever disappear no I don't think that I think that the <clears throat> theater experience is like for someone who I love going to movies yeah like me too um I feel I feel like a theater experience is something that like it's worth paying for I feel I, I like I love the Rio I love the Cinematheque I love going to those places I love going to places that appreciate and celebrate film you know what I mean and so I think less and less it's going to be less of like the big corporations and and more and more that the the theaters are going to be like these celebrated spaces of like <coughs> film and uh, and creative works Yeah, mm -hmm. like I, I guess what I'm what I was trying to say is like may, uh, the only things coming out at Cineplex will be like the Fast and the Furious or, or the new Marvel movie or whatever, and maybe our little one million dollar indie thing that fingers crossed we hope to get we hope to make one. <laughs> There you go. Uh, maybe it'll come out on Netflix, but then you know the Rio is this weekend. The Rio's showing Gritsmore the movie. <laughs> you, <laughs> you know, it never had a proper theatrical release, but it, you still get the chance to. Uh, show it at a venue in front of your crowd because i think that like that the, there is something behind going to a theater do you oh, know yeah, what i mean absolutely like there is something about going in in a collective space with a bunch of people who are there like i'm gonna sit here for two and a half hours and i'm gonna fucking appreciate art do you know what i mean like or like when, when's the last time you went to a theater and saw a comedy right and uh, two i mean <laughs> how big is a let's say 500 other people are in the cinema and they're laughing with you that's amazing it's so great rather than you know like chuckling to yourself at home i see the, the experience <laughs> of course the experience of you know going to a theater and watching a comedy of course is very different <clears throat> right and really having that 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 group experience in front of the in front of the film and just laughing you know mm -hmm. the collective laughter is 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 a powerful experience you it's know same, it's the same thing with horror movies though i like oh, i yeah. i i when you get a good horror movie crowd there's nothing more satisfying than hearing like you know however many people in the theater just fucking scream do you know what i mean like <laughs> I, i can be as afraid as i want in my own house watching horror movies and and that is like probably the ideal experience for me in terms of like horror but like something like uh what was it i saw the conjuring when it came out in okay. theaters and just like it was a midnight release everyone was there like no one was like laughing or heckling during like the scary parts it was like they these people are here they want to be scared they like that is the experience right like did, did you see par paranormal activity in theaters i think i did that I, was a, that was an experience that was great um like i didn't see hereditary in theaters i i, no, I only didn't. recently saw it so but, how was it for you to watch paranormal activity in the theaters uh well i mean it's it's it, it's like what we're we're talking about everybody it's like not only can you feel it coming but you can feel hundreds of other people being like oh my god what's gonna happen next it's it's great it's, I, so, it's i saw fun. a quiet place in the theater cool and that was such a cool horror movie to see because of the lack of like noise oh you can hear people like, yeah like you can you can hear people like shifting in their seats like breathing heavy yeah exactly like people it, it was it was it was a very different like I, i mean i saw it at the rio after it after it had been in theaters for a while but like that was the thing right like all these people were there they're like we know you shut the fuck up during this movie sorry sorry i swore uh, you, you you be quiet during the movie you 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 are there for that experience right yeah, yeah. so Mm -hmm. And that's and that's you know you can see confirmations of the of of the love for the cinematic experience mm -hmm. and you know going to the theater and looking at how Roma has done so well even if it's been released on Netflix right mm -hmm. you look at these huge you know these huge productions that are accessible on Netflix still they get 30 shows sold out in a row in local theaters and you know and that's because people love to go and step up for that experience and i actually feel that giving people the option to choose encourages people to go to the theater being able to say you know you can watch it for free on your tv at home or you can come to the theater and giving them that chance i feel encourages people to come to the theater you absolutely know? even if it's counterintuitive you know it's i feel like there was a genius move that netflix did with quaron for sure And of course, the Oscar went the right way. <laughs> yes, <laughs> there you go. It's uh, wonderful times uh, for the film industry here. Um, you know, I I kind of want to give a shout out to all the people that you know, like us. You know, part of the indie film community are you know striving and you know fighting and working hard to 
to create their own space, to tell their own stories and tell it in a way that's meaningful to the audience and it's meaningful to themselves, you know? So what's the, the meaningful way to tell a story for both of you guys? Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> what is the meaningful way to tell a story? I guess, uh, uh, wow, to sh maybe uh, speaking of the community, I guess it's, it's always it's great to share something in a group setting like we used to take part in van chan if you've ever heard of van chan give me give you you know enlighten us van chan was very fun yeah um our friend zia marashi used to run a little event called van chan where uh they would screen 10 they would screen 10 shows per night it happened once a month five of the shows were returning creators and five were like brand new and there was a voting process like a, the the top five creators would come back kind of thing um so in that sense, it was very meaningful that like you see all these people once a month. Oh, like can't wait to see yours. Same to you, you know, kind of thing. There's and it's, there's like maybe 150 people there, and everybody's supportive and and cheering, and everybody's taking part. And and I think and I feel like that 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 that, that experience is the a meaningful way to tell a story. I feel like yes. Thank anyway, you. <laughs> any any way, the thing is, is like any any way to tell a story is a meaningful way to tell a story, but. I feel like the best way is to share it with like people whom like you care about. Like, well, and and, I guess and, and it's a community, right? Like the, the going yes. to Van Chan, like with you and with all the people that we met there, mm -hmm. I was always, always excited. Like, it doesn't matter if they made like an absolute fucking, sorry, if they made an absolute like pile of garbage, right? Like it, it didn't matter to me because I, I wanted to hear what they had to say. Mm -hmm. And I think that like, that is a meaningful way to tell a story. Right. Especially when they're, they're up on the stage doing Q and a, after so uh i don't know i've i've diverged so far from what, oh, it's good. We from, from what you asked us but uh y yeah i guess what what gives it meaning is uh, uh seeing other people taking it in i mean you know you talk to people afterwards hey did you like it a lot of times somebody would be like oh i like that one part or like this one thing uh, really spoke to me and you're like wait what that's, that's not what we were trying to get across at all but i'm, but, I'm hey. glad you interpreted it that way that's awesome yeah and I, for me like as a dop i i feel like the only people who do like watch and appreciate what i do is the people who also make films other film yeah because when we had our screening like a year and a half ago like we mentioned but like our friend michael sang he came up to me he was like dude the show looks really good like mm -hmm. and that and that that him saying that to me meant more than like anyone else being like yo it was funny like yeah I helped write it but like I got that in LA last year people were like man who shoots your set yeah Justin it's like wow man it looks great like it's just I get the 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 feedback the interaction with that's people. the fuel you know if you mm -hmm. go to a creator that's the fuel you know that's the fuel if you go to a creator and really share your thoughts and that's why I really encourage you know all the listeners out there just go and and really open up you know share your feelings with the with the artist that have done something that somehow impacted mm -hmm. you, yeah, if you, you. If you like something, tell that person you liked it. Like there are, there are hundreds of people who are gonna willingly say that like they don't like it, they hate it on the internet. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so those few voices that come through that are like, hey, this is really good. Those mean something, you know? Yeah, totally. That's everything, you know? That's the juice. Keeps us going, you know? Keeps us going all the way. You know, have you ever thought about making a Gritsmore festival? Anything like that? The Gritsmore event? I have thought about it, but uh, <laughs> um, we wanted to do a live, like show, N not even like that wasn't a regular thing. I did. That's what I should have pitched. No, I uh, <laughs> yeah, I had an idea to do. Uh, I guess what you'd basically call a variety show. That, that that's a, a different thing entirely. With you know musical acts and. Whatever interactive art, you know, a, a host, and then and and now a, a band, and now we're gonna screen something, and that maybe there's some stand-up comedy or a, a drag show, whatever. Everybody's partying, drinking, having fun. <laughs> but there um, you go. No, I have thought about doing a festival. There, there's a. It ju it just sounds like so much work talking to Zia and um, and his associates who put that on. It sounded like it was so stressful. There, there's this group of young kids. I think they're all. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, Ruggiero, I have to swear for this one because it's called <laughs> it's called the Shitty Film Fest, and it's kind of spearheaded by this guy Max Blanche, and it is so up our alley. Us being Gritsmore, it's like um, I've never seen. They screen like thirty of these things, and I think they're like two minutes max. And I've just never seen like so much wall to wall 
insanity like the and creativity <laughs> yeah, creativity the whole, the whole thing is it's like no budget barely write it throw it together and there's, there's just all these i mean i say young like we're approaching 30 but there's like uh these people that are probably in the range of like 20 to 21 22 tw- yeah. yeah um you see, it seems I, like I can, the attention I, spans are changing, right? I don't know if it's even about attention span. And uh, what we were talking about earlier is I think Vancouver's community needs to lighten up where everybody wants to tell. And I mean, more power to you. If you do it well, do it. Everybody wants to tell these really impactful. Um, like beautiful, yeah, meaningful these, stories. And yeah. Um, but, you know, sometimes if you t- want to film a two-minute fart joke with your friends. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they give they give the do people it. the space to do that, right? And it's a, it's a, such a cool thing. I don't Are they still doing it? or? Uh, yeah, one is, one is coming up. Oh, I mean, cool. again, it's, it's hard to do. I, I think they want to do it twice a year, maybe twice, three times a year or something like that. So but that's your message to Vancouver right I, there. I just wish Lighten that there up. were, I, even that, but like I just wish there was more spaces and like the, because you can't go to the Rio but those are like things that you know professionals made I wish there was some more stuff for people in Vancouver to just like have a space to show other people their stuff like come together and be be part of that like filmmaking community because like mm-hmm. that's what I miss about Van Chan and like what's so cool about Van shitty shitty film festival uh, like, <laughs> and I mean I guess there is like cinema spectacular and there's um there are places e- that East Van Showcase and um, you know Run and Gun there, there's so many but I, d- I don't know man maybe it's just us but it seems like we're just out of alignment with a lot of those festivals uh, it, so to answer your question I have thought about it it'd be, it'd be so fun to do something maybe like quarterly where people just show up and I mean it, we would pick what we screen I guess we'd probably screen something of ours and we'd screen something of our friends and screen some strangers stuff but, uh, you know, there's so much depressing stuff in the world. I think people need to j- j- just watch something weird. Watch something that makes you laugh. De- like, uh, I, I can know. agree with that, of yeah. course. There's a lot of density, right? And we sort of need that hope as well, right? You mm-hmm. know, we need mm-hmm. that hope and we need that, that lightness, you know? And that's sort of, that's sort of a, a good juxtaposition because we are about to step into the Proust questionnaire. You know, and we're just going to pick five questions. Oh, yeah, let's make it happen. And, you know, these are five questions out of the 35 questions that Proust wrote down, thinking that they would help us identify someone's true core essence, you know. So we're just going to head that right into it. And this is not going to be very light at all. Five each? Five. And then, uh, yes, yes, we just go and and make it happen. First question. This is not light at all and it's not going to get any lighter. What is your greatest fear? Oh, man. <laughs> Do you want to go first? or? I mean, dying. And then, mm. uh, like, a- absolutely, I have complete, just anxious breakdowns about that I'm going to experience death one day. Um, death the unknown? Uh, yeah, just that everybody does it and nobody knows what's next. That, like, I'm, I'm trying to reach for something else, but I guess that's... I have me. something. I'm, <laughs> s- I'm so scared to die. It's I, unbelievable. I have something, but I don't know how real we want to get. Let's do it. Okay. Let's like, head dive. I think that I'm afraid to not be enough. Like, in oh, terms of, like, yeah. what I make, who I am. Like, I, and I feel, feel like those are one and the same a lot of the time. Like, I am what I make. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, to my parents to my coworkers, to you. I just feel like I'm afraid that I'm not enough. Like mm-hmm. I, I haven't given everything I can and what I can give. Does it mean anything? Like, is it enough for those people? Do you know, like that's what that's, that is my biggest fear. Like dying. I like, I, I know David said he was afraid of dying, but like I could, I could fucking, sorry. I could die. <laughs> I could die tomorrow and that'd be fine. But like, we all literally could. exactly that's what i'm saying <laughs> and, and, but the thing is is like i i want the people in my life to be proud of me i want like my interactions with those people to be meaningful and so yeah there you go thank you for sharing that that's 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 awesome you yeah. know it takes a lot of heart and courage to open up and really share that you know so that's awesome well let's uh, let's bounce back yeah, let's to, the, to the second <laughs> let's question go yeah, let's, do let's go baby <laughs> <laughs> second question of the proof questionnaire what is your idea of perfect happiness Whoa. david are you gonna go first 
I, I've literally never I, I couldn't tell you like I literally don't know what perfect happiness is because like <laughs> that has never occurred to me like perfect happiness has never occurred to me that has never been something that I've ever thought about because like what what does that even mean what is like being perfectly happy yeah. mean like I think being content and having fun and being happy with your friends and like doing stuff that you like making things that you like doing like getting through life day by day I feel like that is enough but like what like what is even perfect happiness like I don't I, I don't even know what that means well uh, yeah that's what I was gonna say is um perfect happiness to me and maybe this uh this connects with what we were talking about earlier. I think if I was perfectly happy, I wouldn't want to be a filmmaker. I would just want to uh, exist and, yes, have um, have loved ones I enjoy seeing, have friends. Um, and I, I know this sounds pessimistic or whatever, and I I like the life we have, but I think if I if I wanted less, if I was less narcissistic. Uh, then I th- I think anyone could be truly happy if they weren't trying to reach some uh, some goal they've set for themselves. I mean, you need that as a human being in this society to uh, to exist. To exist. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. I mean, that's what um, that's like asking what heaven is like. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> what, if heaven's real, what's heaven like? Are you just chilling up there every day, going like, God, this is awesome? That's a great insight right there. You know, because yeah. uh, it feels like sometimes happiness. You know, and I truly believe happiness is a choice, right? We have the choice to feel that happiness, you know, and see it around us. You know, if we if we have the right pair of glasses, you know. Of course, life throws pain at you. Not every not everyone has that uh, has that luxury to. But choose yeah uh, I, like i i, I, know, I, I, I see what you're saying. saying but like no i don't i i agree with david I, I don't think that like happiness is a choice i feel like there are people who struggle and go through things and they don't get to be happy do you know what i mean like i've yeah. seen people who struggle with addiction i've seen people who struggle with like depression and like the, if they could choose to be happy like i bet they would but like look at the like, people lo- outside of your office right here not none of them sitting out there can just choose to be happy absolutely oh and that's something that i noticed also shooting the documentary right For i, the I don't i mean it, it's something that you know it's <laughs> not it, these people but the <clears throat> it's not, a, not the people in the next booth yeah, the yeah, people yeah. out on the street what i mean is that you know i feel like a choice uh, you know it's something that we have in our own hands and not everybody of course has the opportunity to to do that you know but i feel like we can choose to focus on the right things you know oh and, abso- and, absolutely and that's where the beauty is you know it's in the simple things you know it's in looking up and looking at the clouds you know and, and understanding that we have the privilege to be here and to feel something mm-hmm. right now of course happiness is not to be confused with joy I feel mm-hmm. right. Oh, very good. And yeah. that's that's something that's very interesting to me exploring mm. that difference. But that's gonna take it real yeah, long, yeah, and yep, yep, you know we're much. gonna go to the third question of the Bruce questionnaire. We're gonna change domain whatsoever. We're just gonna change it completely. We're gonna go for what is the quality you most like in a woman? Oh, oh, oh yeah, changing ah. it all the way. We do happen to both be straight males. <laughs> 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 there you go. That's why I asked. <laughs> David, you go first. I oh have my no God. idea, man. Wow. Let's go. Let's go. We gotta. We gotta. We gotta. Uh, we gotta pick it right up here. Okay. That. What I. Oh my goodness. They share the same things that I hate. There you go. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, how about we love the same things? Um, somebody who can just be themselves around me, and vice versa. You know what I mean? I. I don't want to. What is that? Oh man. Me and um, our producer, Zeph, me and Zeph have this quote we both really like. One, one of us actually said it. It's, you're not trying to impress the other person, and you're not afraid to disappoint the other person. That's what I want in a partner. Agreed. Oh, wonderful. There you go. That's it. Nice. Right on. Yep. That's a jab a hook right there. Good stuff. Fourth question of the Proust questionnaire. And this ties up so well what we were talking about earlier. How would you like to die? Oh, baby. <laughs> that's for you, David, man. That's for you. Dude, I want to be vaporized. <laughs> because, and I, this is, I've, I've thought a lot about this. You know, there's the whole thing they say that the drugs are released in your brain and you go on a trip for like eternity or whatever and that's what you're done. Okay. What if you are just hit with a laser beam? What if you were just put, <laughs> what if you dive headfirst into like just a shredder? Like your body is just, just disintegrated in like that's how i want to go i want to just be 
just Death Star, you know? Boom. Don't even feel it. There you go. Don't I, I don't know how I want to die. Don't I know how I'm afraid it. to die. I don't want to drown. I don't want to be lit on fire. Oh, the, I like, absolutely do not want to drown, man. Okay. So, <laughs> sorry, I'm going to diverge really quick. Make here. it happen. Okay. Uh, there was a time when I would go swimming with my family a lot when I was younger. Um, and for some reason, I got the idea in my head that I was going to swim to the bottom of the deep end of the, like, the diving pool. Oh, no. And so I just... I went... And I was on my way back up, and I just started swallowing water and swallowing water and swallowing water. Oh, God. And I got to the top, and I couldn't breathe. And I'm like, "That's I do not want to die that way. <laughs> it was the scariest thing. Uh, I don't know. Hit by a truck, sure. Okay, okay. I'll take that in. I'll take that in. <laughs> there you go. Fifth question of the proof question, and then we're going to wrap this whole burrito up. We're going to make it happen. Fifth question is, when and where were you happiest? Oh, wow. That's a very heavy question for me. But... Uh, it's right there. You got in the heart. Just let it out. <sighs> that weekend when we were making the first season. Easter weekend. Easter weekend. That was like the happiest I'd ever been. Well, I mean, previously I was in a relationship before that. And like I was extremely happy in that relationship. And then I'd gone through a breakup. And then David was like, hey, do you want to make stuff? And making stuff with David was like what took me out of this like deep, deep sadness. And so like I, I would say like probably that relationship was the happiest. But then like that weekend with those people it really was incredible man. yeah like really haven't do you agree david that's tough it, I, I mean it's up there it's like one of the happiest no things. absolutely yeah. i would agree one of the one of the uh yeah happiest i've been um i always hate to put that kind of stuff ahead of like you know like family stuff with family and like loved ones it, okay you know the the happiest i've ever been my grandparents used to own this little piece of land on Merrill Lake in the Shushwap. Um, and that was where, like, that was summer. In my mind, like, summer as a child was right there. And, uh... I just wanted to say that, me too. Like, yeah, watching the stars with my dad and my, like, my siblings, like, out on Okanagan Lake. Like, having a fire and all your cousins are there. Yeah. And you're just, you just ride bikes all day and then go swimming. And then you're roasting marshmallows. That was, yeah. Those moments of peace, That's you know, pretty good. reconnecting with nature and just, you know, waking, feeling a part of a whole. Waking up at the crack of dawn, just swimming, just the and then reading a book while, like, just sitting next to the lake. That was, like... Well, just, well, I mean, you, you, you don't even think about it at the time, but thinking back to when there's, like, the part of your brain that, like, worries about stuff wasn't even there yet. <laughs> you know what I mean? So what is it that makes it so special? Is it freedom? Is it love? Is it a combination of both? What was it? I don't know, man. I can't put my finger on it. it I think the Okanagan is, like, a very special place. Like, <clears throat> there's something about the air and, like, the water there that just, like, makes me feel better. You know? Like, yeah. I don't know. It feels like, <laughs> a, like a deeper home in a way. Mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of people have those like childhood those things that's yeah. completely unattainable now that you're a grown up thing, but um, just simpler times, man. Yeah, <laughs> simplicity. <laughs> that's a, that's that's probably one of the most complicated things, if if you might say, defining simplicity, right? <laughs> but that's yeah. it for for today's episode, right there. You know, it's been <laughs> kind of one hour of good chit chatting. You know, ranging from YouTube and the distribution platforms and Gritsmore and comedy and we barely even touched on know. Gritsmore. I think it was a good hey, show. watch Gritsmore. YouTube.com/slash/Gritsmore. Yeah. It, oh it's yeah. G R I T Z M O R E. We're definitely gonna put the link in the yeah, description yeah, yeah. of this okay. podcast. You know, uh, before uh, I make the last call. Any shout-outs real quick? Uh, man, everybody who made season one and two happen. Everybody works for free. Uh, it's it just... Thank you, guys. Like, seriously. Like, like without them... Thanks to everybody who, who made it happen, who just came out on a Saturday or Sunday, you know. Thanks so much. Yeah. It means so much to have... to. Have people that want to work with you. Who yeah, have people who will take the time out of their busy, busy weeks. Mm -hmm. Because it's like not only us that work in the film industry and work so hard. It's all of those people, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, realizing that people like believe in what you're doing. Like just like, you know, meekly putting it out there. Hey, you know, we're filming this thing this weekend. We could use a couple extra hands. And the half a dozen of your friends are like, oh, yeah, for sure. What time? What do you need? It, that's It feels... It, it's heartwarming. It's amazing. Also, thanks, Zeph, for... Oh, yeah. Uh, 
Melissa Zeffley, our producer, uh, Derek Rush, a very talented actor and writer that made it all with us. So the the other two Gritsmore. The other two Gritsmore members. They couldn't be here yet. Amazing. There you go. That's a celebration of the community, and that's what we celebrate here every Thursday, you know, at 11 a.m. This is a pre-recorded episode with David Green and Justin Moore, but it's going to air at 11 a.m. Uh, Thursday on Cop Radio 100.5 FM. You know, thank you for listening, guys. It's always a pleasure to sort of connect with uh, members here of the film community in Vancouver and in Canada. And so I want to send a hug to all of you guys. Again, Cop Radio 100.5 FM. I'm Ruggiero, your host, and this is the soundtrack that... These two gentlemen here have chosen for us and to color this episode, and that's the legendary soundtrack of The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly by Ennio Morricone. So everybody, enjoy. Enjoy.